Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. Blessed are you, our God, King of the universe, who brings us these wonderful documents produced by godly men and women that we can study and know your truth. Brings your words to mind in different ways, and we thank you for Borgman and his attention to the thought life of we Christians, we who call you our Father, who have been forgiven, and made correct by the blood of your son. We thank you so much that we've now seen where we err and do not have godly emotions. We thank you for the pattern, the model that your son has provided, and we look forward to learning more about renewing our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 16, Renewing Our Minds. We're in section four. We are learning how to cultivate godly emotions. And we started out the section by looking at the example of a garden and gardeners. Mortifying ungodly emotions is pulling up the weeds, but cultivating godly emotions is all the cultivating that goes on in a garden, from planting the garden, putting a wall around it, as we saw in the Proverbs, the slacker, his wall was falling down, no protection against the critters that get in. There's planting the garden. I'm going through that now. Once I get all my plants from hooks or wherever I'm shopping, I'm like to put the tomatoes there and the peppers all over the place, because I'm a pepper guy, right? And the beans, what kind of beans? Um, What grew there better? That tree fell down in the windstorm a couple of weeks ago, so there's no more shade on that part of the garden. What should we put there now? Watering, fertilizing, and pulling the weeds. That's all cultivation. And then... We're looking to Christ as our pattern. We saw the last two chapters. Christ as our pattern, because he is fully God, fully man, body and soul, had perfect emotional displays, compassion, joy, righteous anger. Now, we move from fixing your eyes upon Christ to renewing your minds. There's a quote by Matthew Elliott 
With the renewal of the mind comes a new way of feeling and new reasons for feeling. A Christian worldview will ultimately transform the emotions. The centrality of biblical thinking has pervaded this book. We mortify and cultivate emotions through truth. By thinking God's thoughts after him, we align our emotions. There is a thinking crisis within evangelicalism. There is a very strong connection between our lack of biblical thinking and the emotional confusion that Borgman dealt with briefly in his introduction. Once again, this is Feelings and Faith by Brian Borgman, for those of you who are new to the CE. We've been doing this since the beginning of the year. And then Borgman, in chapter 16, lists several books critical to his understanding of his own mindset and the connection between thinking and acting biblically. Now, once again, these outlines, I've outlined the chapters in Borgman's book, and I've put them up in the cloud, and I've given guys links in the email to get these outlines. If you lack the link, just see me, let me know, and I'll give you the link. He mentions numerous books, and you will read about them in the outline, but here are a few. There's The Christian Mind by Harry Blamires, written in 1963. John Stott's famous Your Mind Matters in 1972. Earl Radmacher in You and Your Thoughts in 1977. John Woodbridge wrote Renewing Your Mind in a Secular World in 1985. Oz Guinness, Fit Bodies, Fat Minds, Why Evangelicals Don't Think and What to Do About It, 1994. And most recently, James Boyce in Renewing Your Mind in a Mindless Age, Learn to Think and Act Biblically. The Bible is filled with various passages and words which express the ways or patterns of thought and the importance of the thinking process. Such terms as reckon, Calculate, take into account, look upon, consider, reason, and reflect are used with regularity in the Word of God and establish the crucial role of the thinking process. The classic text, of course, is Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How about Romans 8? Five through six. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Paul exhorted the Philippians, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 2.5. Later in the same letter, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Philippians 4.8. And in Colossians, Paul says, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And... Take every thought captive to obey Christ, 2 Corinthians 10. Now, this is directly from Borgman because this is his experience, and I'll read it. 
He says, those passages caused me to reflect on my early Christian life. As I mentioned previously, I was an experienced junkie for a while. My relationship with the Lord was emotionally driven. How I felt about God or myself dictated my life. God weaned me off an emotionally driven Christian life through a sermon series, Earl Radmacher's The Power of Right Thinking. However, while learning about the power of biblical thinking, I put my emotions on the shelf. This was not Dr. Radmacher's fault. My theological pendulum swung too far to the other side. But even though I went from one imbalance to another, those texts and many of the books mentioned above made an impact on my Christian life. Later, I would learn and come to appreciate not only the power of thinking God's thoughts after him, but also the importance of the affections or the emotions in relationship to the mind. Let's talk about the thinking-feeling connection. The Bible often points to the overlap between thinking and feeling, the mind and the heart, reason and emotion. There is a dynamic relationship and connection. Right thinking should produce right feelings, and right feelings produces right actions. The opposite or the corollary of that is also true. Wrong thinking produces wrong feelings, and wrong feelings produce wrong actions. That is where I was in danger of when this book was slipped into my hand not a dozen years ago, like I said previously, and I could reveal it on a personal level, when I was deciding which of two women in my life at that point I would undertake to pursue more seriously. We all know how that turned out, and God bless it. Right thinking about God produces and cultivates godly emotions, such as peace, joy, confidence, and hope. Uh, there's a proof of salvation. And we, I've heard it. Everybody that has given a testimony, at least the ones that stand up, all mention peace and joy. My conversion brought a sense of peace and a feeling of joy that contraindicated my present, at that time, political, employment, and health situations, whereas that peace and the joy had me thinking that I'd lost my mind. Thank God I lost the mind I used to have. Because you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, Isaiah 26.3. Right thinking about Christ produces and cultivates godly, Christ-like emotions like joy, compassion, righteous anger, and love. We saw this with Christ as our pattern in the previous two chapters. Right thinking about spiritual realities produces and cultivates spiritual life with peace, security, and comfort. Back to Romans 8. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. 
It is not able to do so. Piper comes up with some really good lessons when going through TULIP, the aspects of Calvinism. He talks about, he's got a great definition between moral inability and spiritual inability to ask for salvation or to achieve your own salvation. As humans and our sin nature, we believe we do not possess the morality, the spark. We don't even have the nature to give a Godward glance. We couldn't possibly have asked God into our hearts unless he gave us those words to say. Because right here, the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you, Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Right thinking about us and others produces the right feelings of humility. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think any more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3. We're very good with Romans 12, 1 and 2, which are great memorization verses, but Romans 12, 3 often gets overlooked, right? Right thinking about suffering and eternity produces the emotion of the affection of hope. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. The glory will be revealed in you if you claim the Lord as your Savior, and that is your hope. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. So right thinking about Christ's accomplished work of redemption on the cross motivates godly emotions for holiness, such as gratitude and tenderheartedness. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all. Therefore, all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. That those of us who live might no longer live for just ourselves. How about renewing our minds to cultivate godly emotions? And here it is. Take Jesus, our pattern. And I mentioned to you a book that I've used, I've promoted by a former pastor, Armin Tiffey. It's called Transformed into His Likeness, which is a great book. It helps you to apply the truth of God's word against all kinds of emotional and spiritual sin issues. Renewing our minds with God's word. Here are a few practical truths that can help renew our minds and cultivate godly emotions. We must watch what we put into our minds. What we put into our minds can stir up ungodly emotions and desires. 
If we allow our minds to settle on carnal things, we will stir up carnal emotions. If we allow our minds to fixate on the world, our emotions, desires, and actions will become conformed to this world. We're talking to my brother Dan. You were talking to him. Uh, we, Wednesday, I think we were talking about it. There are certain news intakes I have, and they're admittedly conservative, Christian, and I have no more time sometime than to glance through the headlines in the first couple paragraphs. And knowing God is in control and being older and having seen the proof of God's existence in my life and his perseverance with me to prove to me that he's always with me, which you may not always have strength by strength as a young Christian. You know, Dan and I were saying, when so we got to pull ourselves away from these headlines sometimes. And these memes. And I haven't been on social media. Because next thing you know, you want to go, I'm going down there and we're going to fight and we're going to protest and we're going to go to the governor's office. And yeah, okay, let's. If we, allow, if we allow our minds to fixate on the world, our emotions, desires, and actions will become conformed to this world. Yeah. I watch a lot of videos of conservative broadcasters, and <clears throat> I want to go down and go to uh, so-and-so's uh, men's gathering in Tennessee because he's pulling them together, and we're going to march, and we're going to... Next thing you know, you forget God's sovereignty, and what's happening is what's been predicted, not that we should fall down. I mean, I'm not saying you should let certain things go without voicing, but um, if you continue to feed your head with <coughs> cultural input, it'll affect your emotions and your actions. Therefore, we are to live and think cautiously. Simply, Proverbs 4, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. We must consciously feed our minds on God's word and things above. At least be balanced. We talked about balance earlier. Reading the word daily, memorizing scripture, listening to praise and worship music, and reading edifying books that are heart and mind, that are all heart and mind transforming disciplines. So in the following chapters, we are going to take a look at other Christian disciplines and means of grace. So let us commit to take inventory of our thoughts. What do we think about? When our minds are idling, where do our thoughts go? We think about the things we love, and we love the things we think about. Mark 7, 21 through 23. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Speaking of Bible memorization, is something worth picking up. Not so that you can prove to everybody how sanctified you are, but it's good to have a sword on hand when you need it for yourself. One of my favorites, do not love the world or anything in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. You know what? The world is passing away. And also, it's lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. An inventory of our thinking will help alert us to the thoughts we need to take captive. It can also help us to strategize in the battle for the mind and the emotions. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the, for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Consciously make an effort to renew your mind through the word and spirit. You will find that your love for the good, the true, and the godly would increase in proportion. And I would say don't forget how the story ends. And I've said this before. Maybe it's been a while. I'm starting to... I'm just, I'm so fortunate. I have a pastor who's young enough, but I've been with every pastor. Every pastor has his favorite story, his favorite illustration from earlier in his life. And they tend to repeat them every so many months. I don't hear that from Pastor Austin. I appreciate that. I'm not going to here. (laughs) My first church in Southern California, when I was saved, I was there for 11 years. And uh, at some point, I was leading the singing during evening, Sunday evening koinonia services. And we had two books we worked from, a Maranatha praise book and a you know, traditional hymnal. And we sang, and then I took requests. And people would yell out, the title of the song, or they'll say, uh, number 573. I always prided myself because, like memorizing scripture, I had done this so often. It was like, 573, oh, how great thou art. I know that. Um, there's that song that Martin Luther wrote. I'm trying not to have a brainwave here. What's the name of that song? Thank you. It's time for the home. <laughs> A mighty fortress is our God. And when somebody would request the song, I'd say, okay, for the sake of saving time, we're going to do verse 1 and 3. I happen to make that mistake with the mighty fortress is our God. Right? Because you just can't sing verses 1 and 3 because Terry, the pastor's wife, came up to me afterwards. She goes, it's a story. You've got to get to that last verse because that's when the word Mm, fellows that seat, you know. I had never truncated a singing of a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. So don't forget that last verse of a mighty fortress yourself in this world when you see things going on, especially when you're opening yourself up to cultural influences like we're all prone to do. Let's close in prayer and we'll take comments. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you once again. We are learning how to think biblically. More importantly, we're learning how to fend off evil, cultural, anti-Romans 1 influences in our world, even in our congregations, in our denominations, on a regular basis. 
Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Help us to remember that joy was real and the peace really surpassed understanding. And we making our salvation assured. And then we ask you, dear Lord, to guide us. Your word says that you, that those of us will not be misled by Satan. But he will try. And he will try to mislead us, but he is not capable of it. Your word says that. We ask you, as you always have, to fulfill these promises in our sanctified lives. And we thank you for Borgman. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Illyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you.